reading from the book of Proverbs. I've been stuck there for the last several weeks. I would, I would say to you this morning that if you're looking for some practical ideas about how to serve the Lord, the book of Proverbs is one of the best places for you to go. In fact, I challenge you, as I have many times, to read one chapter in the book of Proverbs every day of your life. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and there's typically 31 days in a month, and it's a good way for you to keep track. If you miss a day and you know it's the 8th of April or whatever, just skip over to chapter 8 and pick back up and just cycle through every month for the rest of your life. And you'll, you'll be surprised at how often you'll see things that you've never noticed before. You maybe have read them a hundred times, but you've never really got it until the Spirit of the Lord brought it to your mind that you got the revelation on that passage of Scripture. That's kind of what's happening with me right now. I kind of go through and I've been posting some memes on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen those or not. There are some that are very shocking when you read them, truly. But they are God's Word, and they are, they are there for our learning and for us to grow and mature. So this morning, I want you to go on this journey with me today. Chapter 7, the first three verses. How many of you have your Bibles open? I want you to read out loud with me, if you will. If you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen, and you can just look up there and read along with me. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 1, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them upon your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Father, thank you for this gathering today and for uh, the individuals that are here today, they, they come not looking for someone to pat them on the back and say, good, good job, you did your religious duty today and came to church. No, no, they came today because they are hungry for the Spirit of the Lord to rise up within them and for a word from you that will transform their lives. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to be that vessel today. Help me to preach with anointing and with wisdom and that the words that I speak today will be helpful to your people. And I know that they will fulfill your purposes because you've promised that when your word goes forth, it will never return to you void, but it will always accomplish every work that you intend for it to do. So here we are with open hearts today, and I pray that you will speak to us today by your word. In Jesus' lovely name we ask, amen and amen. Let me start by asking you a question today. How many of you, and don't raise your hands, uh, because they're, you know, we've, I've discovered we've got a few smart alecks in our church. I don't know if you know that or not. So just, I want you to think about it. How many of you today, you just wish you were dead? I mean, you just got up in the morning and you just decided, you know, life is not worth living I don't seem to be able to have any success at anything. I don't seem to have the strength that I need to carry on. And honestly, really, I just wish I were dead. Now, if you're here today and you feel that way, let me encourage you that you're not alone. 
The scripture is full of men and women that got to such a dark and deep place in their lives that they literally said to God, I wish you'd just take my life and be done with it. But I am thankful today that God has given us the ability to live. And so today I have just entitled this brief message, Live. And for some of you today, I want you to turn the corner in your mind. And I want you to stop thinking that you are worthless and that there's no hope for you and that there's no answer for you. In the world, that might be true. But let me tell you, in Jesus Christ, you have more than enough resources and power and authority to overcome everything and anything that you face in life. And so today, I want to talk to you about these few verses of Scripture. And hopefully, as we pray in just a few minutes that you will have a new uh, sense of direction for your life and that you will have a desire not to give up, but to live with hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. So first of all, I want to talk to you about this, the first two words. I want you to notice that the first two words, the Proverbs, the, the writer of Proverbs writes are, my son. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice today and understand is that all of the promises of God are wrapped in relationship. It is is wrapped in relationship. You will never be more blessed in your life than the depth of your relationship with Jesus Christ. The closer you are to him, the closer he is to you. The, the, The more that you sense his presence the more victory that you will feel rise up in you. It doesn't matter how big your challenge may be. If you can understand that I am not fighting this battle alone, I am not by myself. God is on my side. And if God be for me, tell me who can be against me. So some of you need to just start right. That's your victory point right there. You just need to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are a child of God created by his hands. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You have the divine nature of Christ living within you. And you are one powerful dudette, let me tell you. You have the ability today to overcome through Jesus Christ. So I want you to get that in your head. Now listen, if you're not in relationship with him, many of the blessings that could be yours won't be yours because God blesses his people. God honors his people. The best blessings of life come to us when we are in relationship with him. So the first thing, if you haven't done anything else, Right where you sit, right now, I would sit there and I would whisper under my breath if I had to. I would say, Jesus, you've never come into my life because I've never asked you to do it. But right now, while this man is preaching and talking, I want you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and come into my heart, save me, wash me clean, and take care of me for the remainder of my days. You can do that right now. Now and Jesus will save you. 
You mean I don't have to come to the altar and have somebody lay hands on you? No, all you've got to do is call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you. He is ready for you. I knew one man back years ago. He said, in the years that I went to church, I almost got saved about 28 times. But I'd get under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I'd keep thinking, well, the preacher just shut up and give an altar call. I'm ready to run right now if he'll just be quiet. But he would never be quiet. And by the time that he got done preaching 35 minutes later, I was already mad again and gave up my desire to be saved. Well, listen, you don't have to wait until I stop today. You don't have to wait until I build some atmosphere or something like right now, right where you are, you can cry out to Jesus. Christ and he will save you right where you sit and you can begin your spiritual journey with him. Amen. Amen. So relationship, the blessings of God are wrapped in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing that I want you to notice in this short passage of scripture is this word keep. Now look how many times it's there. He says, keep my words. Then in verse two, he says, Keep my commandments. And then he says, keep my teaching. Now, we don't understand properly this word keep. Because in our minds, to keep something means that we put it in a safe place. We may have a safe at home and we put our valuables in there. We put our jewelry in there or we put our gun in there or we might put our will or, or some documents that are important to us and we'll put it in the safe and we'll close it and lock it up. And in our mind, we are keeping those things. We are, we are safeguarding those things. But that is not at all what this word means in this context. What this word means when he says keep literally means to obey. So when he says keep my words, he's saying obey my words. When he says keep my commandments, then he is literally saying obey my commandments. When he says keep my teaching, he is literally saying to obey what the word of the Lord says. Let me just tell you today, it doesn't matter who you listen to or what you attempt to do until you make up your mind that you are by faith simply going to accept and do what the word of God says to do. You will never have victory in your life. I don't care what evangelist prays for you, touches you, lays hands on you. I don't care if you watch TBN all day long. I don't, care what, I don't care what you do. You can even read the Bible all day long. But until you are willing and ready to say, I'm going to stop reading this and I'm going to start doing this, then God will never be able to bless you in that area of your life. We know that the word of God says to forgive those who have wronged you and you didn't deserve it. But it feels better to hate them, doesn't it? 
it's easier to be frustrated with them because it gives us a rush. But the Bible says that you must be willing to forgive them or you can't even be forgiven yourself by the Spirit of God. So if I know that and then I've been walking for years in my life angry with somebody because I refuse to forgive them, then I can't ask God to help me feel good about them until he says, you're going to have to get over it and you're going to have to forgive them and you may have to call them on the phone or write them a letter or go to their house and look at them and say, look, what you did was wrong. What you did was hurtful to me. What you did, it it was devastating for me to hear and to understand. But I want you to know, I forgive you. The Lord Jesus Christ has given me the power and the ability and the anointing to do in the spirit what I cannot do in the flesh. And so today, because his word tells me that I should, I'm going to forgive you. I could go through scenario after scenario after scenario after scenario. But the bottom line is this. Until you are willing to do what the word of God says, you will never be able to access those blessings in your life until you are willing to do it. You say, I hear it, but hearers are not the blessed ones. The doers are the blessed ones. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to stop hearing and I'm going to start doing so that God can bless me in this area of my life. So we have to keep the word of the Lord. Now, the next thing I want you to notice is the value. I did not know that the praise team was going to sing that last song today or I I hadn't paid attention to it. But I like that line that says, we value. I want to ask you today, how much do you value God in your life? How much do you value his spirit? How frequently do you invite him to be in your presence and and with you in in a way that you sense it and feel it and know it and realize that it's true? How often, how how do you value him? Now, I want you to notice a progression that takes place here. First of all, look at verse 1. He says, after you've kept my words, he says, treasure up my commandments with you. And then he says, keep them, my teachings, as the apple of your eye. Then he says, bind them on your fingers. And then he says, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, first of all, what he is saying is, is that you have to teach yourself to treasure the things of God. You have to teach yourself to love the word. You have to teach yourself to love the presence of God. You have to teach yourself to love one another. You have to teach yourself to operate in the realm of the spirit. It doesn't come automatically. It is contrary to the physical nature of mankind. But we don't live by the physical nature of mankind. We are in Christ. We walk in the principles and the precepts of the Word of God. So there's nothing you can't do in Christ Jesus. You can do it, but you've got to value the things of the Spirit. You know, it's interesting to me. You know, it, 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 sometimes we just get tired and 
And we just say, well, you know, I'm tired tonight, and so I'm not really going to meditate on the Word of God. I, I'm not really going to read the Bible. I, 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 you know, I need to watch a little NCIS tonight, and I need to just kind of relax and unwind, and, and, and I need to, I, you know, I need to watch Bull. I, you know, I'm going to watch Bull for a little while tonight because I just, I just need to unwind. I just need because bull always wins and there's always a victory moment at the end of the show and I just need some victory in my life and I, I, I just believe that bull is the one who can bring it into my life. You know what I have to say about that? Bull. What, what you need to do is set aside some time in your life that you value and that you decide, I'm going to spend this time with Jesus Christ. I'm going to spend this time in prayer. I'm going to spend this time reading his word. I know what some of you are thinking. I don't know how to pray. I can't, I can't pray because I don't know how to pray. Well, let me ask you a dumb question. Do you know how to talk? Can, 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 can words come out of your mouth? Can you speak? Oh, yeah, but I'm intimidated by the presence of God. You don't have to be intimidated. The Spirit of the Lord has already said, come boldly into my presence so that you can obtain mercy and find grace to help you in the time of need. He is inviting you into his presence. You don't have to be intimidated by him. Well, I can't pray for an hour. Well, listen, I can't either. Although some of you, I could pray for an hour long just, just for one or two of you. It's hard for me to pray for an hour straight. I, can't, I, I, just, I have to break it up a little bit. I get up in the morning and I start with praise. And I, you know, and I start worship. Thank you, Lord, for another day. This is the day that you have made for me. I will rejoice in it and be glad. And, and I begin to think about good things and set the, the tone and the atmosphere in my life for the day. And I begin to worship. But then I need to get up and I need to get ready and I need to shave and I need to put my clothes on and I need to take the dog out. So when I'm taking the dog out. I'm praising the Lord. Lord, I see that sun coming up over the horizon, and I know this is going to be a beautiful day. God, you never make any mistakes. I, I know that sunrise is going to be the most awesome sunrise that I've ever seen in my life. I thank you, Lord, because you have created this day for me. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I go in and take a shower and brush my teeth and all that kind of stuff. And then a little bit later, I'll start praying and worshiping again. Sometimes when I'm in the car, I turn Toby Keith off and turn on the Hill song and start worshiping the Lord and giving him praise and glorify him. And sometimes I go down and I, I'm raising my hands. I've got one on the wheel and one in the air and I'm worshiping the Lord and guys are looking at me and women are looking at me like I've lost my mind, but I don't care. I just look over at them and say, one way, Jesus, man, I'm worshiping him today because I value the things of God in my life. When's the last time you opened your Bible outside of church? When's the, when's the last time that you worshiped him outside of church? When's the last time that you worshiped him in church? 
When's the last time that you came in and said, it doesn't matter to me what he preaches, and it doesn't matter to me what song they sing, and it doesn't matter because I have come not to impress anyone with my singing ability. I didn't come to impress anybody with any of the way that I'm dressed. I came for one reason, and that is to honor my Lord and my Savior and give him praise because I value him in my life. He says treasure, and then he says bind it upon your fingers. What does that mean? Well, you have to understand the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture to understand what he's talking about. In the Jewish culture, they, there are these things, they're called tefillins. And what they are is young Jewish men will get a tefillin and take it to a scribe, and many times they'd pay them thousands of dollars to inscribe on these tefillins the word of God. And, and they would take them then. They were, they were especially uh, fitted for the arm. And they would wrap them. They would start at the finger and sometimes have a loop on one of these fingers and, and come up and then go around up, up to the elbow and sometimes all the way up to the arm. And, and the reason that they did that is because every time they looked at that on their arm, it was a reminder of the Word of God and, and they would memorize the verses that were on those tefillins. And then once they had that memorized, they would take them and have a new one made so that they could memorize more scripture. And so they would literally wear them from their fingers to their elbows so that they could look and see and observe the word of God anywhere they were at any time of the day. And so my question to you is, is what have you done to make sure that the word of God is in your life? Did you know that though we don't walk around with tefillins on our arms anymore, that there are ways for you to get the word of God into you? We have these little smartphones right here that you can download a Bible of your choice and set reminders so that 9.02 a.m. or p.m., whatever, it's going to send you a reminder with a scripture that it comes up and jumps up and, and allows you to see the Word of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but they make these little post-its that you can write a scripture on that post-it and put it on the mirror, and it'll say something like this. Good morning. You're looking fine and dandy today. Your scripture for the day is this. It is John 3, 16. It is Romans chapter 6. I wish some of you had been here Wednesday night. We got into Romans 6, uh, chapter 6 and started talking about the much more of God and the much more of Jesus and the much more that he has for us. Us. Let me tell you, as you begin to grow and mature in your faith, it just gets better and better and better, and you become more mature and more mature and more mature until finally there's nothing that you cannot do. You will not act in discouragement or frustration or fear, but you'll realize that God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Somebody needs to go home and write that on a tefillin and put it on your arm. And this week, or just don't do that. Just go ahead and, and put it on your mirror and just say, hey, remember, pastor said, God didn't give me a spirit of fear today. 
I can get my breath smelling good and I can get my makeup on just right. I can get my hair in place. I can do all those things. But when I walk out of here, devil, I want you to know you don't have me afraid of one thing that I'm going to face today because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. So he said, treasure it, then bind it. And then he says, write it on your heart. Now, what's he saying there? He's not saying, go get you a chisel and cut your chest open. Start writing on your chest. He's saying that if you will make arrangements to get the word of God in your mind, it will find its way to your heart. It's a God thing. You can't do it. But you can work with him by writing it and binding it. I mean, you ought to see, I've got a fairly new Bible now, but I've got one that it's written on. I mean, it's got yellow marker, green marker, red marker, ink pen, pencils, uh, uh, coffee stains, tear stains, slobber. I mean, it's got everything you can imagine in there. It's marked up. And what I'm telling you is, is that after a while, what you have processed with your eye and with your mind automatically takes root in your spirit. And when you find yourself in a circumstance, you don't have to say, wait a minute, give me just a minute, devil. Give me, give me just a couple seconds here. I've forgotten. I need, to, I need to go look up a scripture or I need to call pastor or I need to call somebody smarter than me. And so if you'll just give me a couple minutes before you give me your best shot, I'll Come back in just a few minutes. No, no, when you get what he's talking about, when the devil steps up and looks in your face, you can say, Oh, it's you. Come over here, big boy. I've got, I've been waiting for you. I'm ready for you. I've got the word of God in my spirit. There's nothing you can say and do to me today that will discourage me. But you've got to value it because if you don't value it, then it won't ever get there. And then he says, it needs to be like the apple of your eye. Do you know what that is? The apple of your eye in, in the Hebrew, it, it talks about the dark part, part in your eye. So in other words, your eyeball. Did you know that your reflexes will basically protect your eye? Did you know that if something comes your way at a, at a, at a, at a fast rate of speed, it, you, you, your body will kind of you know, react to that and, and it will allow your eye to blink so fast that you can never do it on your own unless your body just naturally does that. Did you know who created our bodies? God the creator did. And he knew that there would be times that we would need to protect the apple of our eye, because it's precious to us. It is valuable to us. And what he's saying is, is that when we value the word of God, the way that we value our eyes, then we're on the right track. It needs to be valuable to us. That's why, that's why, how many of you ever watched the Three Stooges? Anybody? Remember when Mo used to take his fingers and punch Curly in the eyes? Anybody ever said, some of you don't even know who the three stooges are. 
That kid tells you how old I am. He'd stick his fingers in his eyes and you know, Curly, you know, and it, it just, and, and, then, and then Curly, he decided he was going to get mowed back, and so he can get his fingers ready and mowed go like this. You remember that? To protect his eyes. I love that. That's kind of the way it is. I mean, every time the enemy comes your way to kind of poke out your eyesight and to take away your spiritual eyes, you just need to throw it up there and say, come on, big boy, you can't get to me. I'm protected by God. You cannot take away my spiritual eyesight. Amen. So I have to value it. And then I'm quitting. Come help me if you will. What's the result of all this? What happens when all this begins to hit on all cylinders in our lives? Well, look over at, at verse 1, I think it is. No, it's verse, verse 2. It says, keep my commandments. And then the, it just stops right there, doesn't it? It doesn't say anything else after that. Keep my commandments. And what? And what? Live. Now, back to my original question. How many of you just wish God would just take you out of here? Take your life. If the truth were known, very few of us want to die. And sometimes the ones who do don't really want to, but it's, it's based on a chemical imbalance or an anxiety that is taking place in their life. And so they have these thoughts of destruction. Listen, God doesn't want you to have thoughts of destruction. You say, well then, is it wrong for me to wish or to hope for the day when I get to go to heaven by virtue of death? No, it's not wrong for you to, to, to look forward to that. He told us to encourage one another with the words of hope that says that there's coming a day when he will step out and, and there will be a trumpet blast from heaven and, and the dead in Christ shall rise from the graves and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air so that we will forevermore live with them. And then he says, encourage one another with these words. So I'm not saying you have to go around and know, hey, you're going to die one of these days. Did you know this? You're going to die. You're going to die. The Bible says you're going to die. It's appointed unto men once they die. All of that's true. But why don't we change our focus and say, until the Lord calls me home, he tells me that I can keep his commandments and live. 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 Some of us just got so discouraged and depressed and down and out that we don't even know how to live anymore. Why don't we start living again? We are the blessed of God. You say, well, if you, if you knew what my marriage was like, we'll fix it. I say, what do you mean? Go get some counseling. Apologize for what you did wrong. Maybe they'll apologize for what they did wrong. But until they do, love them 
as a creation of God. I've never seen a problem marriage yet that couldn't be fixed by the power of God. I've never seen it. Sometimes we, we don't follow through, but I'm here to tell you with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can make amends. We can do it. So I just don't feel good. Would you just stop talking like that? You're going to talk yourself into not feeling good. I'm so tired. Well, I double dog dare you to put on Facebook today. I ain't tired. I feel good. Let's go horseback riding. Let's go swimming. Let's go out there to the water park. Put our put our DVDs on or our whatever they are. Let's get the water up on us. Let's feel good. Nobody can make you feel good. And if you're waiting on somebody else to do something that'll make you feel good, you might be waiting for a long time. But did you know you can wake up tomorrow and you can say, this is the first day for the rest of my life. I refuse to be down discouraged and frustrated. I am a child of the most high God. I'm going to smile. I'm going to, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live. I want to live. did something the other day. I don't even know what it was. The next morning she said, oh, I'm so sore. I said, me too. And I can't hardly make it. We sat down and we were resting and she said, will you go in the kitchen and get me such and such? And I got up, I got up by my chair and I, I'm walking across there. Liz and John and Ben came to visit the other day. They're at the back, back door and I, I'm looking, I'm thinking, I don't know who that is. I sure wish they'd go away. I'm only kidding. But they're, they're knocking on the door and she and Liz, I got up out of my chair and I started walking over to the door like this and I got over there and she said, you look like Quasimodo. I thought to myself, I feel like him too. Hey, listen. Life happens. Stuff happens. Stuff affects us. But listen, I'm not going to walk around through life like Quasimodo for the rest of my life. I'm going to stretch those muscles. I'm going to stand up straight. I'm going to square my shoulders. uh, And I'm going to move forward in the spirit of the Lord God Almighty. Live. 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 I think God sent Jesus to kill me. Oh, he most certainly did not. He came to give you life and to give you life abundantly. Some of you just need to take hold of that and say, I'm tired of living like I'm dead. I'm going to start living like I'm alive. Word of God says I can do it if I'll keep his word if I will value it, if I will treasure his word, if I will bind it upon my eyes and write it into my heart, I can live, I can live, I can live, I can live. Say, but you don't know what's happened to me. It doesn't matter. God can restore you. 
and lift you up and redeem your life and your situation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you right where you're standing right now. If you've been going through it, I mean, you've had a hard time. You, life's been rough on you. There have been days that you felt like you weren't going to make it. I want you to just stand up right where you are if you are willing to say, it doesn't matter what was, what matters is what is. And what is, is that I'm coming alive. God's going to breathe His Spirit into me and I'm going to live again. I'm going to live with hope. I'm going to live with victory. If that's you and you want to live today right where you are, stand up. You don't have to come down here. Just stand up. Just stand up. Say, I want to live. I want to live. Thank you. Are there others? Come on, just right where you are, stand up. Thank you. And I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. We got some people right now standing up by faith saying, I'm done with it. I'm finished with it. I don't want it anymore. It came from the devil. It came from the pits of hell. But I'm a child of God. And I'm going to live past it and live beyond it as a testimony to my God. Are there others? You want to live. You want to live. I want those of you who are sitting, I want you to just point your hands toward one of them. I'm going to pray for them right now and we're going to believe that God is going to raise them to a new level of living unlike anything they've experienced in a while. Let's pray, church. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you and I approach you on behalf of these who are standing this morning who have declared that I'm tired of of living the way that I lived. I'm I'm tired of feeling halfway defeated or all the way defeated. I'm, I'm tired and I want you to help me to live and to move forward beyond this thing. So, Lord, I'm asking you, let your word come alive in my spirit. Lord, I value it. I want to activate it in my life. I'm going to bind it upon my hand. I'm going to put it on my mirror. I'm going to put it in my car. I'm going to put it in my Bible. I'm going to put it at my workstation. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. And, God, as I do that, I believe that it's going to transfer from off of my mirror and out of my car and into my heart so that at any given moment, any time, any day of the week, Lord, it doesn't matter. I will be able to call upon the word of the Lord and know that it will be active in my life as I fight this battle. As I fight this battle. Amen. Amen. Now, let let me tell you something. In, in the old time, we're getting ready to have communion in just a minute. Ushers, come on, if you will, and get, get in place so that we can be there. I'm, I'm going to preach just 30 seconds more while you're coming. In, in the Old Testament, when they would go into the battlefield and they would, they would go into battle and they won, they, they didn't just say, well, that was fun, wasn't it? Let's go home. I'm tired. Let's go home. I wore myself out in that battle today. No, no. They celebrated. They yelled. They screamed. They hollered. Oh, I'm telling you, they 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 let the world know that I'm not down. I'm not out. I'm not defeated. I'm I, I'm up. I'm I'm alive. God is on my side. That's the reason that the scripture says, clap your hands, all ye people, and to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. 
Amen. We don't walk around just barely getting by. We don't have a bunch of quasi-modos in this church today. We've got people that are filled to the brim with the spirit of the living God. It's time to celebrate your victory. Stand with me all over the house. And if the Lord's been good to you, if the Lord has been good to you, I want you to give him a great praise and applause.